Amen. Um, if you are in Roy Jr., you guys can head out. There we go. Um, yeah, if you're joining with, I mean, this has always been, this has been awesome already. And what an encouraging time to be with God's people, um, to be reminded of the gospel. And uh, tonight, as Adam said, we are working our way through the book of Mark. Uh, and one of the things that's been really interesting as we've gone through Mark is uh, Mark focuses so much more on action and, act- and activity. We know we talk about how the word that we see the most is the word immediately, and it just keeps going from um, action to action. And then tonight, we're actually going to be in chapter 7. We're going to be chapter 7, 1 through 23 tonight. And this is one of those rare times where Jesus stops and teaches for a while in the book of Mark. And uh, so what I want to do is I'm going to read all 23 verses and then uh, we'll come back. The plan is just to walk through this and help us to really understand what God is saying to us through his word and then apply it. So this is God's word starting in, uh, in verse 1 of Mark 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrine the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father and mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is given, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things do you do. And he called the people again, he, he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of the person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and they said to him, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person comes from outside, or the, into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not into his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within, and they defile a person. All right, so as you can see, we, we have, there's a lot to cover tonight. Um, I thought it was really funny because we've been doing what I thought were really manageable passages of Scripture. And then Joseph told me this is what I was teaching, which is fine, no big deal. So 
We've got 23 verses, and if I spend three minutes on each verse, we'll be here, I don't know, hours. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Actually, but the reason for this is because it, it's, it's all really one, it's just one, it's, it's, it's one teaching. And there, think of it as there's three different, we're going to look at three different sections. We're going to break it up in three sections. Um, we're going to look at uh, one through eight. And one through eight, Jesus is specifically answering questions about the unwashed hands, right? So, and that's going to, and he's, and then Jesus says, you know, you guys are leaving the commandment of God and you're following traditions, which then leads to where they're actually from nine through 13, they're, uh, they're using their man-made traditions to go against the fifth commandment, to honor your father and mother. I mean, that, so we're seeing this, they're, they're going to ask him about a tradition. He's going to say, you talk about tradition so much, you violate God's word, including getting rid of one of the, you know, Ten Commandments, that's a big deal. And remember, he's speaking to Jewish people. For the most part, everybody around him is Jewish, but look, remember we talked about how when Mark is writing, Mark is writing to predominantly Gentiles, which is great because we're predominantly Gentiles. And so you see he's got these little, like, explanatory statements that he has in there. That's helpful because, you know, most of us didn't grow up in, like, a kosher Jewish-regulated household. You know, so this is, he's going to explain this to us, but I mean, they are, they're getting rid of the fifth commandment. And then he's, and then you see uh, the next step is he, he clarifies it. First, he talks to the Pharisees, then he calls the crowd together and he's like, okay. And then he talks about the food laws and he talks about the real reason for these food laws. And then he kind of comes aside inside the house. And then of course, the disciples don't get it because as we've gone through Mark, we've realized the disciples aren't the sharpest. Uh, and it's really fascinating because if you haven't been studying with us, uh, it looks like most of the information that Mark gets is because he traveled with Peter. And so Peter is pretty open about all of his faults. And what we're, what we're even going to look at here is that we know that Peter doesn't even get it here in Mark. It's going to be later on that God actually has to speak to Peter in a vision so that he can get it, Right? And so that's what I want to do. I want to work through these three different sections. And so the, since we, we're, we're covering so much, I'm, I'm going to try and not go too in-depth. I just want to give some clarifying conversation about this. So let's look in that first section, one through seven. All right, so what's happening here is that the, the, there, are, there are Pharisees, which we've, we've seen Pharisees before already. And then we've got this new group of people called scribes. All right, scribes, basically these guys are, um, they are experts in the Jewish law. And so remember, when we read through, when we're talking about the Jewish laws, we're not talking about the Old Testament, right? Now, because remember, the Old Testament has laws, rules, and regulations. In fact, I, I, asked, I asked Adam to, to read through Psalm, some of Psalm 119, obviously not all of it, because we would probably still be reading. Um, but when you read through Psalm 119, he says, man, he praises God for his laws, for his rules, for his regulations, for his statutes, and he's praising God for these things, right? And it's so interesting because I, I know that some of us, I, the, one of the churches that I went to growing up was really legalistic. And when, we, when I say legalistic, I mean focusing on laws and rules in an unhealthy way where the goal was to look 
more Christian than you actually were. It's, that's how it came across. Like there are these, I mean, I can remember when, in the church that I grew up in, when women first started, and this is gonna sound, I know, offensive, they started wearing pants to church. You guys don't seem as offended. As <laughs> uh, women wearing pants, people? Yeah, I know. Thank you. Sin. <laughs> I remember when it was almost even okay if you wanted to listen to a cassette tape. that had, are you ready for this? Drums. Did you know there's a such <laughs> Christian rock and roll music? Sin. <laughs> you go. It's just, sorry. And so when we're talking about Jewish laws, we're not talking about the Old Testament because the Old Testament has laws, rules, and regulations, but here's what happened. The Jewish people, and, and I don't want to throw them all under the bus. I don't want to be like, oh, they're all terrible. Well, they were looking at these laws and these rules, and they wanted to make sure that they had a law for everything. And I think there are some people that out of a pure heart, you can say, okay, well, if this says this, then how do I need to apply that? So then you start making these accommodations. And that's what, that's what we see happening here. So, and, and it's cool because Mark explains this to us, right? They, so they've got these, so they sent to Jerusalem to have like religious law experts come out, you know, because there's this troublemaking street preacher that's becoming a rabbi and he's having a bunch of followers. I mean, that's, that's how they see it because he is saying things that are already just a little subversive to the Jewish leadership. And we're going to see it gets even more so, specifically tonight. Tonight, what, we're, what we see is that Jesus takes the whole, like, rabbinical system, like where you have rabbis and, and followers, and he flips it upside down. Because these, so you've got these religious leaders who come there just to see him, and they see that his disciples are eating. And it's, it's really interesting that there's some, there's some words in here that are a little confusing. It says that, like, they're eating bread, so, like, just normal eating, and they're doing so with common hands. And then he says that they're defiled. They, and then he tells us, which means unwashed. And then just so we can understand it, he says that the Jews... And like the scribes and all the Jews, and that, that's uh, a little bit of hyperbole. It's not every Jew did this, but they would always wash their hands. And it's, it's really interesting because it's pretty clear that it's not for hygiene. It's not cleanly. It's not for cleanliness. It's not like, oh, you need to make sure you wash your hands before you eat, which I know a lot of parents do. I, my wife and I are not the best parents. Um, I, I don't, I can't, I, if my hands, if my kids have obviously filthy hands, I'll tell them to wash them, but we're not the people that you wash your hands before every meal, and it's not because we don't want to be pharisaical, it's because I don't wash my hands before I eat, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I don't want to be a hypocrite by telling them to, so anyway, um, my, I don't, my kid's probably like, he's never told us to wash our hands before. Maybe I am a bad parent. All right, anyway, so, but they, it's interesting because it uses some really weird language here. 
And it lets us understand that it's not because of cleanliness, it's some sort of ritual, right? It says, uh, you notice that in our translation, it's got the word, they, they, they wash their hands properly. They won't eat unless they properly wash their hands. Well, what's happening here is it, it literally says they are washing with the fist. What does that mean? Yeah, we don't know. That's why it's translated properly. But some people think that either it was a type of a way that they would do it, or it might mean up to the elbow. But what it's saying is they don't eat unless they do a ritual cleansing. Now, we, some of you might not, you know, be big Old Testament scholars. Now, do you, you know, there are Old Testament regulations about washing your hands and cleansing, but those are for priests when they're doing temple when they're doing temple worship. Now, let's keep in mind, even then, even for the priests ministering in the temple, the goal wasn't to be physically clean. Do you understand that? Does everybody get that? God's not offended by dirt. He made it. And it wasn't like, oh, these priests, they can't come into my presence if there's dirt on their hands. They can't offer these sacrifices unless there's dirt on their hands. I can't handle that dirt. No, what he, from the beginning, and this is what Jesus is going to get at. It was always a matter of the heart. Even in the temple, they were, they were showing that they were confessing their sins before God. They were repenting before him. They were going into his presence with pure hearts. And so they showed that by wearing clean clothes that was, was linen that, had, that was just one type of fabric. And they would wash their hands. They would purify themselves before God because they were confessing their sins, just like what we just did in the Lord's Supper, right? We, you know, even the part of the, the Lord's Supper, we, we don't just, uh, it's not just we remember what Jesus did, yes, but we also confess and repent before him because of this amazing gift that's been given. And so what they, what they did was they're like, well, if there are laws and rules for priests when they're getting ready to enter the temple, well, we need everybody to have that same standard. And so let's, it, it's so funny, it's just, it, it just snowballs. It's like, well, if, if priests are so, supposed to do this before they go to the temple, then, then priests need to do it before they eat. And if priests need to do it before they eat, then we all need to do it before we eat. So everybody, everywhere, wash your hands or else you're sinning. <laughs> it's like, well, that escalated quickly. But that's what they do. And then he goes on and even says, they take it to such an extreme that so they won't eat unless they wash their hands in a specific way, like up to the elbow or, or with a fist. Um, but also, if they, go into a, if they go to the market, you know, if you go, and especially you think about open-air markets, like they're dirty places, and they would, they would be places where they weren't just Jews, they were Gentiles, and if they bump shoulders or run into people, well, okay, well, now they've been defiled. And so they would come back, and some people even say, it's really interesting, it says they, when they come back from the marketplace, they would wash themselves, and the word is baptize themselves. And some people really think that the more, like, I don't know, the more devout of Jew they were, it, it depended on how much they would clean themselves. So if they, got, if they ran into people all over, and who knows where they touched unclean people, they would come back and they would, like, immerse themselves. And not only that, but then they would, anything that they bought at the marketplace, you've got to wash it before they can use it because it's, been un, it's unclean. And so then they come to Jesus and they say, okay, you're deciding. Now they come to, you notice they come to Jesus because he's the rabbi and this is his school. And so his followers are not following the traditions of the elders. And that's what it says, right? It says, um, it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, 
Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And it's so fascinating because even they understand. They don't say, why is it that your disciples are violating God's word? Because that's not what's happening. Why is it that they violate and they, they don't walk, they don't live according to the tradition of the elders, right? And so what's really awesome is that now when Jesus comes back, oh, well, let me, I'll say this, I, I've, I, lo- I, got tr- I lost track of my notes. It's, it is interesting, so when we're talking about traditions, uh, we're gonna, this is the first time that we see Mark using the word tradition and it's actually five times in our text tonight. I'll go over that real quick. In verse three, we see the tradition of the elders. Verse five, again, traditions of the elders. And then verse eight, grasping the traditions of men. And verse nine, who talks about establishing your own tradition and rejecting the commandment of God. And then in verse 13, it says we make, he's voiding, it's uh, annulling the word of God by your traditions, all right? But we're gonna, we're gonna come back to that because then, so let's look at the way that Jesus answers it. Now, we're gonna see what's so interesting is that Jesus does not mince words when he's talking to the religious leaders, which is so cool. Like, I, I, I was talking, uh, I, I really like that Spencer mentioned The Chosen and because uh, our family, same thing, we've been watching it really slow. I got, same thing, we kind of got derailed early on, but then I was like, it, because the objection is, I mean, there's so much extra biblical stuff in there. And then I realized, well, most of Jesus' life and ministry is extra biblical, and they're just being creative. And some of it, if it gets weird, we have conversations about it. But it's so neat because you, like, I love watching The Chosen because I love Jesus more because of it. It's really enjoyable. And now, and it is cool because right now we're in like the fun part where he's just saying nice things and he's healing people. And Jesus does say a lot of nice things. But l- when we look at the way that he turns to the, on the Pharisees and the scribes, it is not nice. Look at what he says. This is in uh, verse six. And he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. And then right now he's quoting Isaiah 29. He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Literally, it's far, far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Look at that. He calls them hypocrites. He says, and it's crazy because he's using Isaiah. Isaiah was such a, um, he, he uses Isaiah and Moses talking to them, talking against the scribes and Pharisees when in Jewish culture, Isaiah and Moses, I mean, these were, this, these were the guys who wrote the Bible because they would, they would talk about all of the law as the words of Moses. And when they get to the prophets, they would, a lot of times they would talk about just the prophets and put it all underneath the category of Isaiah. And so more than just saying that this one guy says something about you, there, he's, he's saying the prophets, when the prophets were prophesying all about all those bad people that were coming, it was you. He, well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. And then look what he says. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that is convicting because what's he saying? They are pretending. They're pretending to worship God. And they're just doing it with their lips. They're saying all of the right things, but it's not from the heart. And what we're gonna see tonight is everything it's all about the heart. That's what God, that, that's what God wants from us. And, when, and again, it's all throughout the Bible. 
From even in the Old Testament, we're seeing that it's about your heart, loving God from your heart. And so what do we see? He says he calls them hypocrites, which is crazy. They're honoring him with their lips. Their hearts are far from him. Their worship is empty. It's vain. It's purposeless because they are teaching as doctrine, teaching as God's word, man's word. It's, this is just the teaching of men, and they've elevated it. And then he says, you are, he says, you leave the commandment of God and you're holding to the tradition of men. And it's really interesting, this word for holding means it's grasping on tight. They are grabbing a hold of what? Man's word, not God's word. I mean, of course it's empty. Of course it's vanity. They, are, they have elevated the words of men above the words of God. And then, and then that's what he's gonna go on to um, in the next section. But I wanna time out for a second because he's talked about traditions. And he's talking about these things that, um, that they're following. And I want to stop and, uh, for just a second and say, there's at, uh, on their own, there's nothing wrong with traditions, R- right? I mean, we, I mean, even just thinking about uh, where I, growing up, uh, the church would say, you need to avoid all appearance of evil. And that's true. And then they started just, describing, oh, this is evil, that's evil, that's evil, and it's, it was all pretty opinion, cultural-based, you know? But, I mean, we do a lot of things that are tradition. I mean, uh, Joseph and I were talking about it before service. You know, like getting up in the morning and studying your Bible. Is there, is there anything wrong with getting up in the morning and studying your Bible? No, of course not. But if you get up and study your Bible in the morning and you think that's what makes you righteous— Oh, there is, there's, oh yeah, there's something wrong with that. You know, if you, and we see over and over in scripture, even, you know, giving to the poor, that's, that's good. That's, Christians are supposed to do that. But if they believe they're getting their righteousness from that, oh, then it's bad. It's so interesting. Uh, so maybe it's because of how I grew up. We, we watch musicals. And so when I hear tradition, me and seven people. Of course we're thinking Fiddler on the Roof, right? No. Thank you. I love, I, I told my wife earlier this week, we have to watch, we need to watch Fiddler on the Roof, which we have, I'm, I'm a bad parent. We haven't watched Fiddler on the Roof or Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis. And most of you are like, good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there was, there's a part in the beginning of, in the, in the beginning of, of uh, Phil on the Roof, uh, when he comes out and he's introducing it before they sing the song that's just tradition over and over, he says something, he says this, it, they talk, ab- if, if, if this is lost on you, that's on you, all right. <laughs> he talks about all the, all the things they do. He says, he says here, here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything, how to eat, how to sleep, even how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and we always wear a little prayer shawl this shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition start? I'll tell you, I don't know, but it's a tradition. And then he said this, which I think is so fascinating. He said, because of our traditions, everyone knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Isn't that interesting? Now, there is a healthy way in which you can have really good traditions that are always pointing you to who you are and what God expects from you. That can be healthy, but what happens is it can, be, it can also be just the easy way out. 
having a list of rules that you can say, well, as long as I'm not doing these things, I'm righteous. Oh, no, that's where it gets, that's where it gets messed up. You know what I mean? Because let's be honest, a list of rules, a list of regulations, you know, I think of a couple things I think of historically, like the Methodist Church was started because of this holiness club with the Wesley brothers, and they had a list of things that they would do. And it pointed them to their devotion to the Lord. That's great. Uh, Jonathan Edwards had a list of resolutions, resolved, and all these really amazing things. And then even in our modern culture, right, you've got Jordan Peterson who has these 12 rules for life. Fine. But he got that idea from the Bible with the Ten Commandments. And so we need to be so careful when we talk about tradition, when we talk about rules and laws and regulations, because we have those in the Bible. And if we are using God's laws, rules, and regulations as a way of showing our need for him and our devotion to him, man, praise the Lord. But when we elevate those above the word of God, then we're sinning. That's what he goes on. And then look what he says. Oh, I've got this, uh, a couple other passages of scripture. Um, There are good traditions in the Bible also. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, now I commend you because you remember me and everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. That's great. Uh, 2 Thessalonians in chapter two, he says, so then brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by letter. And then in chapter three, he says, now we commend you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not according with the tradition you received from us. So that's, that's where we need to understand. Yes, God's laws, rules, and regulations, even, even if you have man-made traditions, they're not necessarily wrong unless that is what you're holding to for your salvation. That's what he said. You have, you have left the commandment of God, and you're grasping to these traditions, and then Jesus steps it up. And starting in verse 7, uh, I love this because this is an example of Jesus being super sarcastic, which is my love language. (laughs) Look at what he says in verse nine. He says, and then he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Okay, what he said is, you guys are doing awesome. You guys are doing a great job. Look at you. You have established your own traditions and you have gotten rid of God's commandments. And then I wrote in my notes, initiate slow clap. (laughs) Good work, guys. Man, I haven't seen anybody reject God's laws and make their own. (laughs) Brilliant. And then he says, in case you're wondering, because he's so sarcastic. Because then what's he do? He says, oh, Mo, he'll say, Moses said this, Mo, but you say, you know, it's like he's comparing their traditions with, you know, Moses, the guy that God used to write the law, that God gave his law, that God, you know, met at a bush that was on fire and shared his name with him, that guy. Moses said this, but you say, you see this? Look at that. He says, he says, for Moses said, honor your father and mother. That's in um, Exodus 20. And then in the next chapter over, Exodus 21 says, whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, 
If a man tells his father and mother, whatever, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, we'll talk about that in a second, which is a gift to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother, thus making void the word of God. You are, you're, set, you're annulling the fifth commandment because of your tradition. Oof, isn't that crazy? And so what they did, this is fascinating, and uh, this sounds, uh, you can see how it started really good. You can say, oh, um, all of the stuff that I have, I've, I've earned this wealth, whatever, I'm gonna give this to God. Does that sound good? Y- yeah, it does, okay, yes. I've, if you, you, you gain wealth and you're like, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna commit this to God, that's awesome. But what happened was, People would say, oh, I'm going to give this to God, which means I'm not giving it to anybody else. And all it did was give people a good reason to be selfish and hoard stuff, including, he says, you're disobeying the fifth commandment. You're no longer honoring your father and mother. Because scripture is very clear that when, specifically when parents age, that their family needs to take care of them. I mean, we even see that carried over into the New Testament, right? Into the New Testament, we have regulations that God gives us that if there is, some, if there is specifically an older widow who has family, that their family needs to take care of them. And if not, the church helps out, which is awesome. And now, let's pause for a second. I want to time out uh, for one small tangent. You know, it is real easy in our culture for people to talk bad about the Bible, and they'll say, oh, the Bible is oppressive to women. Have you guys, has everybody heard this? I mean, it's real easy, but it's ignorant. I mean, not just in the New Testament, but look at the Old Testament. In the, this is in the Old Testament. In the second book of the Bible, it says, honor your father and your mother. And then it says, if you speak against, if you slander your father or your mother, you deserve to die. Talk about, a, and now, was the Jewish culture, was it patriarchal? Did it, was it, did it have the, the man leading the family? Absolutely, it did. But it also gave value to the mother, especially even when you read through the Proverbs. I mean, how many times do you see it says, oh yeah, don't, don't, don't disregard your father's teaching oh, or your mother's. I mean, so keep that in mind. And, and he's saying that what they were doing is they were hoarding onto their stuff in such a way that they're saying, we are so good because we, have, we are the, most, we're the most, uh, most religious, the most devoted to God because we've given everything we have to God. And he's saying, yeah, and what you're doing is you're disobeying God because you're saying any money that you could, you could have had, this korban, korban, it's just a word, it means gift. Well, it, it's somehow this developed kind of during the, um, during the intertestamental period, somewhere after the Old Testament was written, before the New Testament was written, and because this is the only time we see this in the Bible. But they, they said, I'm not gonna help my parents. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against God's commandment, the fifth commandment, by saying, um, I'm giving this to God, not y'all. To the point where it says you, it's not even possible for them to obey the fifth commandment because of your tradition. That's crazy. So he goes on. 
He goes on in, in 14, and then this is, so we see him, he's talking about washing hands, and it's not really about washing hands, it's about elevating tradition. And he says, they've elevated tra- tradition so much that they're actually disregarding the Ten Commandments. And then our last section, he's gonna stir the pot even more, because he says, in verse 14, he called all the people to him. So we're supposed to, at this time, up to this point, it's like the scribes and Pharisees have kind of pulled him aside to have a little battle with them, and then he calls everybody together, and he says this, now remember, these are Jews. These are good Jews who've, who've grown up in kosher households who followed all of the regulations in the Old Testament, right? They, they wear clothes of just one type of uh, fabric. They, there's, they don't eat shrimp or pork or other things. I don't know. Lots of other things. And then Jesus says this. He says, he called the people and he says, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person that defile him. Isn't that interesting? Talk about a paradigm shift, right? Because they've, their whole life, they've been taught, oh, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. We are God's people. We are, we are God's people and we're devoted to him and so we're different. And that's exactly right. But what Jesus is gonna point out to us is that from the beginning, even the food wasn't about the food, right? It wasn't. Just like for the priests, the dirt on their hands wasn't about the dirt. It was about, it was about confessing before God, right? The food wasn't about the food. Now, were they supposed to only eat this food? Yes, but they were only supposed, they were supposed to follow these regulations because they were a people that God had set apart for himself that he wanted to honor, he wanted them to honor them with, his, with their whole hearts. That's what it's about, right? And they did this out of obedience to the Lord. And now what he's saying is, and then uh, what's really fascinating is so that they didn't get it, and even more so the disciples didn't get it because we see in verse 17, and when he'd enter into the house, he left the people, his disciples asked him, they, they asked him about the parable. They're so confused when he says there's nothing that, come, that can go into a person that defiles them. They, they think, oh, this is a parable. Which, and he, he looks at them and he says, are you also without understanding? Don't you know? You know, because again, the disciples don't get it. And then to, he's sarcastic again. He says, don't you see that whatever, whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is expelled. Okay, if you look, this is a euphemism. It, it really says, in the original language, it says it goes into his stomach and then into the toilet, the latrine. Latrine. The loo. Anyway, <laughs> but the point is, he's, he's, he's helping them understand when we're talking about being defiled before God, that's not a physical thing. That's a spiritual thing. Right? Everybody see that? If, if when, if, even when, in like Psalm 51, and we're talking about our, our impurity before God, nobody in their right mind thinks that your impurity before God has anything to do with the physical, with dirt, right? So if we're talking about being impure, it's not because of something you ate. He's saying, yeah, when you eat, that goes into your stomach and then goes out the toilet. 
It doesn't touch your heart. It doesn't go anywhere near your heart. That's what he's trying to say. Again, he wants a people that is committed to him with their hearts. That's what he's, that's, that's what he's always been. That's what we talked about, because it says here, um, thus he declared all foods clean. This is fascinating. In the parallel passage in Matthew, we don't have that. It, this is where we have it, and it says he's declaring all foods clean. Again, because it has never been about the food. Even the food laws were not about the food, uh, but it was from the heart. God was calling out a group of people for himself, and they were separate and devoted from the heart. That's what he's always been about. Now remember, uh, for, for Peter, which we think Peter's the one who gives Mark most of this information, Peter doesn't get it here. I, it, there's a good chance that they leave this house and Peter still is just con- as confused as he was when he first entered. Because remember in Acts 10, Acts 10 is when, when Peter has the vision of Cornelius, right? It, or, or about Cornelius, where, uh, where God, he sees all these animals come down into a sheet and God says, rise, kill, and eat. And he says, oh, I've never had anything that was unclean. And God says, don't call anything I've made unclean. Oh, yes, sir, right? It takes him to then. And even then, you guys remember in Galatians. In Galatians, when Paul is, Paul talks about how when another group of people come around uh, Peter from Jerusalem, that he acts differently and separates himself from the Gentiles. It took him a while to get it, right? So it makes sense. And because it was a whole paradigm shift, I mean, in Jesus, this is the first time that Jesus is saying, he's saying the real reason for all of that. And then he goes on, he says, it's not about the food, it's not about the dirt, it's about your heart. And then he says, it's what comes out of a person, that's what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man. And this is so, I mean, this, this is where for each one of us, we need to, because up to this point, up to this point, it's easy to point the finger at the scribes and Pharisees, right? Look at them. How stupid, right? You got to wash your hand, you got to wash your arms up to the elbows before you eat anything. If you go into a store, you got to take a bath before you come back. That's silly, right? And then disciples, we can, we can point the fingers at the disciples. I mean, they don't get it, you know? They think it's a parable, silly disciples. But here, this is coming directly at us. Look at what he says. This is what defiles someone. Because out of the heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. This is what he walked all the way through all of this for. He talked about hand washing, talked about the korban and honoring your parents. He talked about food that you're eating. But at the end of the day, that's about our hearts. And all of these things, they come from our evil hearts. And that's what he says. He says they come from these evil thoughts. And then he lists 12. These are 12 different things. And I want us to, to pause and think through this. That if you're a Christian, you are struggling with sin. So my challenge for you is don't stop fighting. Right? I mean, uh, Spencer read out of 1 John, right? If we, say we haven't, if we say that we don't sin, we lie and we're deceiving ourselves. So every one of us is fighting some sort of battle here, right? Whether it's, whether it's sexual in nature, right? We've got, whether it is our feelings towards other people, 
because remember, Jesus said it's not just murdering, but it's hating. And it's not just committing adultery, it's lusting. And then we have here deceit. We have here other things where we do with our mouths, whether it's um, slander, we talking bad about other people, or blasphemy, talking bad about God. That's all in here. He even says, one of the word that's translated uh, envy, it just says the evil eye. Right? That you're your eyes have gone bad because you're focusing on everything you don't have. And so this is where each one of us lives our lives. We're, each one of us is struggling with, with how we should love others, how we should speak about others, with our controlling our, our lustful thoughts or actions, our sensuality, what we covet, the things that we want that we don't have, and then our arrogance and our pride our foolishness like this is where this is where we live and we need to make sure that that we are loving God from our heart right because what could be so easy it could be so easy for us to just have a list of things that we're not doing or look at someone else and be like well they're doing this and at least I'm not like that well if we do that where does that put us with the Pharisees Right? Our goal is not to show everybody how devoted we are to the Lord. Our goal is to come before the Lord and have him purify our hearts, to confess our sins to him. I mean, even all the rituals from the Old Testament, the cleansings, the washings, this was to confess before God. And the, the, what, I, what I think is so important is that we also need to think, he says, out of all, he says, from, from our evil thoughts come all of these things. And so, what we need to be thinking about is not what we're feeding our body, but what are we feeding our hearts? Right, because again, he, the focus, he takes the focus away from the physical. It's not about the dirt, it's not about what you're eating, but it's about your heart. Where is your heart? And that for each one of us, this is what we need to be thinking. Are we like the Pharisees? Have we done such a good job of convincing other people that we're really religious, but inside we're full of dead bones, right? Or let's think through what our practices. Are we holding up these good things that we're doing as if they're making us righteous? Or even worse, are we finding our righteousness in some tradition that we're holding on to? And then lastly, man, where, we need to think about where is our heart? right? And we need to understand on a practical level that you are going to think and act out of your heart. That's what he says. You're going to think and act out of your heart. That's what we see. We, right? Out of all, out of evil thoughts come all of these things. And so what are you feeding yourself? And again, I'm not talking physically because you are going to be a product of your influences. You're going to think and act in accordance with what you're feeding your thought, your mind and your heart. Man, and each one of us needs to stop and think about that. What am, I, what am I being discipled by? What am I spending my time on? What are my influences? So, because the goal is to have pure hearts. That's the goal. The goal is to, if, if you are struggling with these lists of sins, confess. Go before the Lord, confess, repent change. If you need accountability, get good accountability. If you're like, I can't stop this, get help. 
But be encouraged that if you are feeling that the things that you're thinking or doing are wrong, that's from the Holy Spirit. Right? God doesn't discipline other people's kids. So be encouraged. If you feel like, I mean, it's a struggle, this is a fight, be encouraged in that and keep fighting. But the goal is to submit this to the Lord and give him your heart and your mind and your time and your influences so that he can make us more like Jesus. So we're gonna go into a time of reflection through song. We're gonna worship the Lord and I'm gonna pray for us. And my prayer, that's my prayer for all of us, for me, is that, and I won't find some sort of workspace righteousness, but we will find our righteousness in Jesus and will be fully committed to him with hearts that are fully committed, that are his. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken so clearly to us. And God, I pray that you will forgive us, forgive me for trying to manufacture my own righteousness. Help us to realize that anything that we would manufacture falls short. I pray, Father, for those of us who are your children, that we will daily confess and repent of our sins, that we will put our trust in you and in you alone. And for those who are here who are not your children, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will draw to genuine repentance and you will bring them from death to life. Be with us now as we get to worship you through song and pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to work in our lives and draw us to you. We, we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.